Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercia Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Services available in office or virtual. Schedule your consultation now. For more information, visit MerciaWellness.com. Mercia Wellness and Consulting, small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now, now on, on with, with the, the show. show. Hello and welcome to the Couples Council. I'm your host, Dr. Jameson Mercier, the love lender, sitting alongside my lovely wife, Herdy Mercier, aka the wife mentor. Hello, people, and boy, oh boy, do we have an exciting show today. Yes, we're talking about your money and your relationships. I know it's a little scary for some of you. Your heart might be racing at this point because, yes, we're talking about money, and people typically stay away or don't want to discuss money, right, Herd? Right, her dean. Right, honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm not her dean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of couples, the topic of money is, you know, anxiety inducing. It creates fights and ultimately is one of the top reasons for divorce. But our host today will hopefully give you guys some tools so that you're not part of that group, but rather the group that uh, can talk about money and be all right. You mean our guests? Did I call her a host? Yes, you did. Okay. Well, <laughs> Our special she, guest. Yeah, she does have her own podcast. She so does. You will want to check her out. Okay. We're talking about none other than Jamila Soufant. She is a mom of three, podcaster, writer, and founder of journeytolaunch.com. Now, on this platform, she shares her journey of reaching financial independence and hopefully inspires you to do the same. Now... As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers gain clarity around their finances and create actionable plans to reach their goals. Now, when I say she walks her talk, she and her husband were able to save. Check this out, babe. I know, I know. $169,000. In two years. Right, right, right. That's not 10 or 20 years. That's two years. Okay. They are debt-free beside their mortgage and want the same sort of independence for you guys. Say that again. They are debt-free besides their mortgage. Oh, and they did all this living in New York City. Mm. So what's your excuse? Tell me how powerful the plan is. Yeah. Oh. Her podcast, Journey to Launch, was named one of the 27 podcasts you need to start listening to by BuzzFeed. She's been on CNBC. She's been featured in Time. She's been featured in Essence. So, guys, Money magazine. Listen. They, they, we only bring you the best. We try. <laughs> we try. Right? So get ready. Grab your pen, your paper. Record this one. Download this. Save it. Do what you got to do. Share it with a friend. Here is none other than Jamila Soufrant of JourneyToLaunch.com. Hello and welcome, Jamila, to the Couples Council. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine and great. Thank you so much for having me. No, listen, this is our pleasure. Um, full disclosure, guys, this is also another, uh, we can say, fan favorite of ours from uh, Podcast Movement. Mm -hmm. When we, we didn't 
talk a whole lot, but when we when we got to chatting a little bit, Herdina and I, after the conversation, we looked at each other and we were like, yeah, so when we get the show off the ground, <laughs> you know, she's someone we have to get on because kind of like we were briefly chit-chatting before we started recording was finances is something that affects, well, it touches everything. Let's keep it 100. It touches the, your marriage. It touches your marriage. It, it could affect your love life. Like literally 90% of divorce cases typically have something to do with money. It all has to do. And, and it's not just people who are broke, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right. So people, right. With money, yeah, they had money problems, period. So, so the hope is with today's show is that, our listeners will take away some nuggets. They'll know how to get in touch with you for sure. And uh, hopefully they take it to their cave, to their hut, <laughs> <laughs> to their castle, and, and, and they roll with it. Yeah, I think what's super exciting about our guest today is she not only talks it, but she walks it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so she she has a platform called Journey to Launch, where we'll talk about more her podcast. Um, she's on the local news station in New York. She's doing it big. She's in magazines. So we want to bring the best to you because we care about our listeners that listens to the Couples Council. And we know we just want to bring you top-notch information. All right. So we're going to ask you to tell us a little bit about you. Tell us where did all of this come from? Because... Like I'm sitting here, I'm saying to myself, you don't just wake up one day and suddenly you're saving the way you save. You know what I mean? That had to come right. somewhere. Just so, so tell us about Jamila. Sure. So we were talking a little bit before you hit record on this episode and I am, um, so I'm Jamaican mm-hmm. and my husband is Haitian, but just like my backstory. So I came here when I was 18 months old. And my mom had me at a pretty young age. She was a single mom. And so like most like immigrant, um, when she came over here, she came over here by herself. She left me back in Jamaica. Okay. Brought me back up here when I was 18 months. So that's when she was able to like file for me or my grandmother was able to bring me up here. And I say all that to say is that, you know, so my mom being a single mom coming here to this country without anything. And then my grandmother being an older woman coming here without anything. Like we literally, you know, we had the necessities. We had the basics. But my mom like came here, she worked, you know, minimum wage job. She put herself through school, got an advanced education, but we lived like simple lives. And I think one of the things I always say is like watching her work so hard to provide for me, mm-hmm. coupled with that whole like, you know, that stereotype, like, oh, you know, like Jamaicans, Caribbean people, we have like a million jobs, that mm-hmm. hard work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like all that, I think just I've always been someone who not necessarily you know, not, we didn't have money, but I always valued it in the sense of, I knew that what not having it, um, uh, would, would do and what having it could help do. And one of the things my mom did show me, she didn't necessarily teach me about money per se, but she did teach me the value of saving. Um, so okay. even if it wasn't that we weren't, she wasn't making a lot of money, it was always just something my grandmother told to her. She talked to me, it's just like, you save you know, you save most of your money, like you're not supposed to be living paycheck to paycheck. So I had that mindset growing up and started my first job, had my first job at 14 years old. And then when I got to college, so got to college and got a really good paying internship through a program called Inroads, which helps put minority students into Fortune 500 companies. So that was like my big break. I feel like that set me on a good level for the fact that I got this internship it was paying you know a good amount of money for a 19 year old and I was working in corporate America 
And I started, I was saving. So that typical saving mindset, instead of probably what most of my other fellow interns were doing, they were, you know, getting these huge checks and spending it. I just, I started saving it. And from that, I'd say led me to be able to kind of uh, do a couple cool things with my money. So I bought my first condo out, right out of school at 22. Now, I'm saying all this to say, all this to say it's not like I was perfect with money um, mm-hmm. growing up or in my 20s. It's just that I had the saver's mindset. Like, okay. And I always knew I wanted to make money. Like I had this, I was always very ambitious. And then I think in my 20s, I got my full-time job. And I got comfortable and I always said I wanted to like be my own boss and not have to work for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I worked throughout my 20s and started to feel like, wait a second, like I don't know how to become this millionaire that I always dreamed of. You know, I don't know how to be able to quit my job because I thought I had to create a company. I thought I had to be an entrepreneur and I couldn't find something in my head that would allow me to be a millionaire. I tried a couple things, but they didn't work. Mm -hmm. So it was, I always say this, it was always when I was, I always go back to being pregnant with my first son. So had these big goals. Then at about 31, while I was pregnant with my first son, had this epiphany because I had a horrible commute home one day. It was four hours and it was what, driving. So Four hour commute home? So yeah, and it wasn't a typical day. It was a lot of traffic that day. So okay. this is not a typical work day, but it was like maybe an hour and a half is what it took me to get to and from work at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just took me a long time that day. And I remember feeling like, this is, cannot be my life. Like I knew I was, you know, I was about to have a baby, wanted to start, you know, have more kids eventually. And I knew that I didn't want to be in my car um, for four hours, you know, two hours. I didn't want to be in my car. I didn't want to be away from my kids for, you know, a lot of the day doing something I didn't love. So that is what kind of started me on more of the intentional path on my, like with my finances, because I had this jolt, like this awakening moment that some, like I needed to do something different. And then I kind of fell into the rabbit hole of researching, like, how do I quit my job? Like Mm -hmm. retire early, all these catchphrases. And it, you know, eventually, you know, months later, I started to read more blogs, listen to podcasts and find out about this thing called financial independence and said to myself, okay, to my husband, like, we need to figure out how to do this because I'm not going to be working um, forever in this job. It's not that I didn't want to work. It's more I, I didn't want to have to depend on this paycheck. I wanted mm. to have that freedom and I wanted to be happy. Like So, you know, that is all kind of what prompted me to start Journey to Launch to save as much as money or to to encourage him and myself to save as much as we did because I was like, I, I need more than what I'm living right now. I deserve more. I want more. So how can we go about that? Mm. And so he was completely on board is what it sounds like. No. Well, so he, <laughs> what? He, okay. So here's the thing about my husband, which is why I married him. He is definitely, he's an amazing guy. He's also, he's also like not, he's not a huge spender. Um, he's not necessarily also a huge saver, you know, mm-hmm. he's kind of like in the middle, you know, and he's also just a, he's a nice Haitian man, right? Yes. <laughs> he had a nice Haitian man. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Listen to Jameson and so, being biased. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I understand. Mm, right. Biased. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when I came home, like one, he knew what it was like for me to have this long commute. Because in and also in retrospect, he his job is only maybe 15 minutes from our house. Mm. So he has like a totally different kind of world. And he also enjoys his job for the most part. It's like 
even when we talk about retiring early, quote unquote, and reaching financial independence, he's, he always says he's going to work. Like, so for him, I think he realized like his position, like his career, it was fine. And he realized with me and he knew that from seeing me every day that I wasn't happy. And he saw how long I worked. He saw how long the commute was. And um, so when I came home and I told him, so I used to send him some like articles. I used to like read some blogs and podcasts and, you know, I'd send him stuff. And, you know, I came home the day that I came home and I was like, listen, there's this thing and people are quitting their jobs, retiring early. He was just like, what are you talking about? What is it for us? <laughs> so it was definitely like a new idea for him because that's the thing. I think when you don't have anyone in your immediate circle, which is for a lot of us, um, mm-hmm especially people of color, like, you know, you don't necessarily see it around you much that that happens. So, you you know, you might think, oh, oh, it's just some like craziness in the internet world. And is it real? And so I think he had a lot of hesitation, but because he um, was open to the idea, he was open to seeing like what I was talking about. He, we, we had a lot more conversations around it. And so I was able to kind of, you know, show him what I meant. Like I was able to, to ask him, you know, this involves us having to save a lot more of our money so we can reach this goal. Um, and so uh, talking around that, showing him some spreadsheets. So, I'm, you know, I like spreadsheets. So I was able to show him some calculations. Like, listen, we can have, you know, a million dollars. We could become millionaires in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. You know, I started showing him the calculations if we did this. If we continue the way we are now, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be all right. But if we make these changes, this is what we can have. And this is what we can do. And so it took some conversations. But after a while, I think he saw how passionate I was. He saw how serious I was about it. And he, trust, he trusted me. Like he knew that I was, I was always like good with like finances in terms of, you know, numbers. And I worked in corporate America in real estate. Um, so he trusted that background and was like, all right, hmm, let's, let's, let's look at this a bit more. Okay. Now what, uh, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm thinking about our listeners and I'm thinking about myself now, is this a rice and beans experience? Like, how did you get to this point? Right. Definitely not rice and beans. So the one thing I would say is we live in New York city and so to save, so we saved the first year we saved 85,000. And when I say save and invested, it's um, saving in our pre-tax retirement accounts and our after-tax retirement account. So mm-hmm. it's not like we saved $85,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little more than half of that was in our retirement account. So we, we never really saw the money. It just went into our pre-tax retirement accounts. Okay. So I say that to say the first year we saved about 85000 And then the second year we saved and invested together um, about eighty four. And we live in New York City. So for us to be able to do that, we combined earn good money, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like we were, you know, earning minimum wage jobs like he's a teacher but he's able to supplement his income with you know coaching and after school and and all these extra things i worked Mm -hmm. in corporate america so i was able to maximize my bonuses and raises over that period of time so because of that we were able to optimize our finances so we did cut things out we had a budget but it definitely wasn't rice and beans that was really important so here's the thing like i always say like if it was just me Mm -hmm. on this journey by myself I mean, things would be totally different, right? Like, but meaning you have to compromise with your partner because Mm. I probably would be way more um, aggressive aggressive saving, actually. I would, you know, I'd cut out cable. I would cut out a lot more things. Mm -hmm. Whereas he, for him, I know part of the things, he's simple guy. So it's not like he's going out shopping a lot, but he Mm -hmm. likes to go out to eat. We like to go out to eat. So it's not just Mm -hmm. him. We like to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. We like to go out and get drinks. We live in a city. So these are not $2 drinks, right? They can be Mm -hmm. expensive. So one of the things that I asked him when, I came to him with this idea is 
what type of lifestyle would make you happy now? Like, what can we do today to like make us both like happy or to not feel robbed of whatever experiences we want? And then what type of life would we enjoy in the future? So kind of like listing that out and seeing like kind of the give and take and okay, we can still go out to eat, but we just have to put a, like a, a budget around it. So instead right. of like just spending without thinking about it, okay, there needs to be a budget on, we can only spend this amount every month. And in general, we just need a budget before we didn't really have a budget. We both had more luxury vehicles that we ended up um, like he had a lease. We didn't, we didn't renew his lease. I had a more luxury car that didn't make sense because the gas and maintenance were, were just too much. And so mm. we, you know, we gave those up because in the grand scheme of life, for me, that wasn't important. For him, it wasn't important, um, which we can talk about a little bit because it, it, I think he does want a luxury car again. And so for us, it was like looking at what can we cut out that's not going to diminish our happiness and like kind of how we go about things and how can we save and make it automatic and do the best we can. So it was kind of like a dance like that, but it definitely wasn't living off of rice and beans, but we did cut back and um, become more thoughtful about the way we spent. But this is good because what I hear you saying is first, it took an honest chat. You know, so your partner has to be willing to have the conversation about money. And right. then and two, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, you have to have the honest chat, but you also can't come into it saying like, if I would have came into the situation saying, this is what we need to do. And I don't really care about what you want or Mm -hmm. your life and your goals. Mm -hmm. It would have been a totally different um, conversation. So there's some compromising that needs to happen during that chat. And then the second thing I hear you saying is looking at a budget. Oh yeah. Realistic budget. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell the couples out here on how to some tips on how to build a budget? that you're actually doing some fun things now in the present time, but also actually also building for the future all at the same time. Like right. you so say, the, I, it's just, this, it's this dance. Yeah, it totally is a dancing. So Paula Pant, she's another podcaster I, I enjoy. Um, and she talks about, you can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. Mm. So basically it's not that. So I think what, trips people up is that we have all these desires you know we want to go out to we want to travel we want to buy maybe some you know some nice clothes all the time and we, we want to put our kids in all the activities we want to do all these things but then we also have these goals that we want to you know accomplish and so it's a matter of if you rank your goals or you rank the things you want to do like not all of them can be equally not all of them can get done at once right. so with the budget, what's important for you to like stick to it, it has to have some flexibility. So some people think a budget is like restrictive and really what a budget can do if it's done properly is give you freedom because then you're allowed or you are able to spend without feeling any guilt or feeling any apprehensive, you know, this about like spending money. So when it comes to like sitting down with your partner, it's important to one, be realistic. So you really got to understand your income, like what's coming in and what you, what was going out. And I think by, I always tell people like in couples, even if it's just one, it's just one person, like look at what you've actually spent. So that will give you a guiding like light on like what you can set your budget to be going forward. And then when it comes to like the things you enjoy, so rank them. So there are things that are mandatory things that you just have to pay for, right? Like your rent, your food, transportation, but even in those big categories, which are typically the biggest things you spend money on or childcare and childcare, if you, you know, you have children is that, okay, can you even be smarter about that? You know, do you have to live in a three bedroom? Can you get a roommate? You know, you can also look at those things. Those are mandatory. Typically everything else is a nice to have. So cable, 
going out to eat, getting your hair and nails done. Those are all nice to have. Some people like confuse it with being mandatory because it's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, this is like part of my lifestyle. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's fine if you want that to be the case. But if you have competing goals where your income does not cover your expenses and the goals you want to like hit, then you have to make an adjustment. There's only Mm. there's income, there's expenses. So you're either going to increase your income or you're going to decrease your expenses. It's great if you can do both. Right. Um, you know, and, and therefore that, that difference is then how you get to your goals. So with the budget, you're able to look at, okay, where can I spend less? Where can I, if, you know, I do love going out to eat, maybe I'm not spending $800 a month. Maybe I'm cutting it down to 300 and that gap, that $500 difference, I'm going to dedicate towards a goal. So it's like realistically looking at the things you enjoy doing, asking yourself, is it worth delaying or not reaching my goal because of this thing? And then like adjusting like as you go. And when you're dealing with a partner, one of the things I say with a budget is, so my husband and I in our budget, we have blow money. Yeah, which we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you have your individual ways in which you can spend without it being a question or, you know, a justification. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I can spend this on what I want because it's my blow money um, to do so. Yeah. You know, I'm hearing when you talk and recently we had an episode about this myth that you can have it all. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people come into this idea or they buy into this, this myth that you can have all these things that you want, right? You can have this lavish life and you can have these cars and all of this stuff. But all of it is on credit or they overextend themselves and they, they, they over leverage it. And then next thing you know, they're like looking at each other, like, Whoa, what the hell happened here? And what you're saying is it, it just saying what we said, you can't have it all. You have to pick and choose and maybe you can't have it all now. You can have some now and some later is what it sounds like. Yeah. Like, so one of the things that we have not done, um, so vacationing has not been something we've, first of all, we have very young kids. Our kids are four, two and seven months. So it's no fun to really think about going on vacation with them at this point anyway. But Mm -hmm. in general, so if my husband and I, we do go on trips, it's like we're travel hacking, meaning we're using credit cards and points to travel for free as much as we can. But we'd love like, you know, like if I'm like scrolling on Instagram or like looking wherever and I'm seeing like Mm -hmm. some people on some nice vacations with their kids, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do that again. But right now it doesn't financially like make sense. Like me and we maybe we we can take a vacation like my husband and I, but it has to probably be somewhere, not the luxury one that we probably both would love. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are things that are on the back burner right now, but it doesn't like make our life less enjoyable. It's more of we're working towards these goals, especially because, you know, I just quit my job too. So I don't, I know we no longer have like my income to support mm-hmm. like the household, which is a big deal for us. Um, so we definitely now have to even be very thoughtful and considerate of how we spend money. Now, let, let me ask you what this question. Um, so for people who are thinking about this or couples or families, one of the thing that gets in the way is their debt, right? So it's one thing to save and be able to say either leave your job or invest. But what do you have to say about the debt that people are trying to say deal with or climb out of or manage? Or pay Peter to. Yeah, take Rob Peter to pay Paul, you mm-hmm. know? I'm really glad you brought that up because for so for in our situation, we we had we didn't have debt. So for us to be able to save that much money, we had already 
conquered our debt. You know, we only had our mortgage as our debt. So that allowed us to then now put every extra dollar that was not spent to expenses to saving and investing. So that is like going to make clear, right? Because it is a different journey for someone coming to this, right? Like coming to this realization that they want to do better with their finances, but then realizing well, I'm in a lot of credit card debt. I have student loan debt. Like that is, that is a reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also want, like, want people to understand. So if you're listening and you do have debt, like you getting out of debt is, is also a huge accomplishment. So this, that part of your journey is equally as por- important as the other side. So like, there's almost like this swing, like where if you're in debt payoff mode, sometimes it feels like you're not investing in yourself or you're not, you know, reaching your goals fast enough because you got all this debt to climb out of. But mm-hmm. I, I, getting out of debt is investing in yourself. Like, so therefore you'll be able to then use that extra money once you get out of debt to do more. And I'm also not a proponent of because you're in debt, not to invest meaning okay. like, so I don't think okay. like if you are in um, student loan debt that you shouldn't invest in your 401k. So there are certain debts you should get rid of first. So your highest interest rate debts, like your credit card, um, debt which is typically your, your typical typical highest and then you know you have uh car loans and student loans and mortgages so for me it doesn't make sense for most people to not invest at all in their financial future until they get out of debt because sometimes that can take like years and then you're right. missing out on compound interest so the main thing is that if you are listening to this and you are in a lot of debt the plan is to create like a debt payoff plan, right? But realizing that it could take a couple of years. So it doesn't, it might not be something you could do in two months, depending on your level of debt and your income and your expenses. Mm-hmm. But getting out of that debt, even if it's a thousand dollar credit card, even if it's a couple hundred dollars a month, like that's a big deal. Because if you didn't do that, you'd, you'd be in credit card debt, right? Like, so yeah. every step along the way matters. So um, let's like, don't like, discount your journey or think all oh, like, you know, this is impossible for me because once you start, you'll see how you can, you gain that confidence. You, you start to gain some, just a different perspective about your life and finances. Once you, once you start moving along. I agree because when I see couples in my office, a lot of times um, there's a lot of resentment that's built up over mm-hmm. the years around money. And it isn't necessarily that one is to blame more than the other. It it could be that they came up in families where there wasn't a whole lot of financial literacy mm-hmm. and, you know, one bad decision gets another. And before you know it, you're 10, 20, $30,000 in consumer debt, you know? Um, and you're on the brink of divorce wondering if we should jump or not because they don't know, they did not see the financial literacy. So they don't know what to do where to begin. And so I love the fact that we're talking about coming up with a plan, having an honest chat, uh, honest chat, um, and then creating a budget mm-hmm. to what fits to you so that you're, you can come together. Cause I thought, I think in one of our podcast um, episodes, we talked about being a team. Yes. And so it's very important. What I hear the success of you and your husband is that you're a team. Some people aren't a team. And so we have to teach them to be a team and then get on the plan of um, and not going against each, each other, but coming together to win in this in this area of finances. That plays a major mm-hmm. point in their in their love story. I'd agree because, you know, even with my husband and I, we are we don't have the same level of intensity when it comes to this journey, like he could, you know, he's not as necessary. He's not sitting down doing like a budget, um, like with me, like, so here's the thing. I think if you're going to be honest about the conversations with like 
money and like relationships is that it's not going to be perfect. And so I'd love to sit here and tell you that every day we review our purchases and or every week or month we review the budget and sit down together. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I'd actually love that, right? Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, we actually don't operate that way. <laughs> we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to operate that way. We just, some, you know, just life, right? Let's be real. Like sometimes just right, life happens. Right, and so right. we have like the budget date on our calendar, but we don't always do it. But what works in our relationship is that because my husband is so... Um, like he is aware of like, we sat down and we created these goals together. So that's number one. You do have to have buy-in from the partner. You can't like set it yes. and think like, Oh, that's what it is. Like mm-hmm. both people need to buy in. It's okay. If one partner does more of the like work on, you know, the spreadsheet or the budgeting app, as long as that the other partner like agrees or at least sees what's going on and you're reviewing it. Right. So one thing that my husband and I do is like, he might not be sitting down with me and like doing a budget per se, but he has a budgeting app on his phone. We review things. He'll ask me like, Oh, like he'll be like, what happened to my blow money this month? I'm like, you spent it. I didn't do anything. Cause, you know, so like he's told, he, he knows what's going on, but I think sometimes you like get this false sense from people like, Oh, you know, it looks picture perfect. We're sitting down every week and we're doing this. And if you can get to that level, like that's amazing. Um, but even for myself, we're not necessarily there yet. And, um, it's something that we could work on quite honestly, but I think for couples really for, if this is like the first time that you are approaching this with your partner, because you are excited about it, because that's what happened to me. I was so excited about it. I had this epiphany moment, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've seen the light. You had the vision, but right. But he didn't right? Like, Mm -hmm. so you have to give your partner time to also see the light. And you can't force them to see the light. You can't manipulate them to see it. So the best way to do that is to make sure that you are listening to them. You're listening to what they want from life. And so one of the things I had mentioned before is that, so we saved and invested a lot. So we're not like going out and like, you know, shopping here and there. We're really just buying like the necessities in terms of clothes and, you know, we're not vacationing. We still go out to eat. So like on the outside, it's not like you look at us and you say, oh, they look like, you know, deprived. We look, we're far from that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I know my husband would love in the future is a nice car. And so in the financial independence space, like this whole retire early movement, like there, there's some people like in the space who would say like, Oh, like, you know, you shouldn't like spend money on anything or, or you should be definitely more thoughtful and frugal. And we're not frugal people. Like I might not just, I just don't like spending money on certain things. So I don't, but I know because he likes and would want a car. Like I'd love to be able to buy him a car like if mm-hmm. if like i'm able to do that or we're able to do that like i mean my ideal like thought process would be like to be able to surprise him for his like 40th birthday or something mm-hmm. um, so it just feels like he knows that about me and he knows like i mean that so when so when i came to him about quitting my job you know his first thing was just like what right because it's mm-hmm. like you know i'm walking away from like this money but he also has my best interest and our family's like best interest in heart. And he knows in turn I have his. Mm -hmm. And so when you lead with that goodwill, I think it creates just an energy like between you, because if I would approach it as no buying a car, cause I don't care at this point about a car. Like I could care less. Mm -hmm. I could care less about cable. He's still, you know, we, I think our cable bill is too expensive, but because he at, at this point is that's what he enjoys and likes, I'm not going to downplay it or make Mm -hmm. it silly. I'm more saying, okay, you know what? That doesn't like together. We know our goals and it doesn't work right now, but you know what? Let's work for that to be a goal, you know, in a few right. years. Right. You know, and that's, that, that is important because, because people work and you definitely want to feel like 
you know, you're getting something for the eight, 10, 12 hours, whatever you put in every day. And I just want to stress how you say we hear each other and we have, you said each other's best interest in mind. Yeah. Right. If that isn't the, the epitome of a mm-hmm. relationship, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what is. And you guys communicate that. So, so kudos to you guys. You know, when we sit, mm-hmm. you know, and we sit and we talk about I mean, you're talking about you kind of being the nerd. Um, I'm the nerd in this yes, duo he, right here. He brings out the spreadsheets and um, brings all that. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh God, it's time to talk about money. Yeah, listen, the day I, the, the, day, the day I figured out formulas in Excel, my uh, life changed. Uh, yeah. It's, it's exciting, right? Oh, listen. I geek out about that thing like for days at a time, you know? Yeah. But you see, you guys got to a point where you were able to, to, to like make these goals together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so until a, well, not even spouses, but just a couple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they get on board. This doesn't happen. You two are doing as a married couple. For people who are, say, um, not married, um, is this even an option? Is this something to even, like, consider? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even if you're not married and you're dating, I think, I mean, you know, to me, that's this, again, this is going to be one of the most important things, like, between the two of you. Like, it's how you handle money. So if you are dating a person who's not that great with money, it's not to say you shouldn't date them, but you should be aware, especially if you have a lot of assets. Like, there needs to be a conversation. There needs to be a plan to make sure you're going to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. Because depending, and I'm not one of those people that says, like, you know, you have to do it this way. But I do think if you want to go far, if you, what is the saying is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. So you know, for me, it's like going together means we are combining everything that your debts became my debt. So we're going to try and pay all that off, you know, so therefore I need to understand what's going on. Like on mm-hmm. your side of, you know, the balance sheet, you need to know what's going on on my side. And so because of that, I think even if you're just dating, because maybe that's going to be the next step, like, you know, engagement or just living together, or maybe you never want to get married. I don't know, but it is important to understand how you two manage money. And I mean, I think, for most people, like, you know, you decide what works best, whether that's managing it separately or managing it together, but you do need some sort of plan, right? Like at some point you need to understand, okay, well, we're going to spend and we're going to save towards these goals. And because if you don't, then you're kind of just working or earning and spending in silos and not, not on the same page. Yeah. The money, the money thing is huge because uh, it just, it touches everything. Yeah. And I think in, in the way we're putting it, um, we're making it in a way that, or we, or we're giving the information in a way that they'll be able to digest it and really be able to look at it and have an honest conversation. And I love what you say. Don't force the other spouse, but in a sense, you got to give it to them one bite at a time. Yeah. Somebody has to drive that train. Yeah. You know, um, I recognize that in this duo again, like I'm the one who, again, I geek out about it. I, I know I got the alerts coming in on my phone, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's 30 or 40, I, I have those alerts. I'm not, I don't shove it down, down her Dean's throat, but someone has to manage it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say, and I know we say someone has to, but what do you say to, to, to someone in a situation where the other person is just like totally disconnected or just have a different 
view about money altogether and they're already in this situation. Mm, right. Cause that's a tough one, right? Like how do you get someone who's almost like not wanting to even come on board? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like to come on board. I think sometimes, you know, like if, if it's a case where you are like really looking at the goals and you're really considering each other goals, like, so like the worst case, cause I'm thinking, right. Like maybe you have one partner who, who wants to get out of debt. And so is the other partner not wanting to get out of debt because, you know, they kind of think YOLO, you only live once, they could care less, or is, are they afraid of something else? Is there another emotional issue? I mean, typically there is like a deeper issue going on when it comes to money, maybe the way they were raised or just, you know, their background. And um, so there, there's a lot of things like around that um, where it's deeper than just money right? Yeah. It's, the, it's not just money. It like seems like it's about money, but it's deeper than that. Um, so that might need to be addressed like separately, like outside of like a money call, like, you know, maybe a therapist and like you know, certain things. But I think if you can just sit down um, and not maybe even put the money aside, like not talk about the numbers per se, but just the two of you talk about how you want to feel in life, like the things you want to accomplish. And again, it doesn't have to be like, we need to cut everything out. We don't need to do anything. You can take baby steps. Cause that sometimes scares people. Like, so what does this mean? Like if we're going to start paying off debt and saving more, does this mean I can't enjoy this and this? So maybe that's why some people shut down. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of put it all on the table and say, no, but like if we kind of do this more in moderation, maybe it is small. Maybe we only start with saving $50 more than we did last month, but it's something. Right. And kind of seeing that accumulate over time, you know, next couple of months, because that's what happened with my husband and I. Like, so at at first, in order for us to save as much as we did, because he's a teacher, he had access to more vehicles for saving. So typically as a single at the time, uh, everybody, not everybody, but if you work for an employer, you can um, contribute to like a 401k that like for a profit employer. My husband, because he's a teacher, he had a nonprofit retirement plan called a 43B, but he also had another plan called a 457 plan um, through New York City. And most teachers have this where they can contribute to two pre-tax retirement accounts versus I only had one. So in order for us to max that out, he actually would have to contribute more money to those accounts because he had the access to it. Mm -hmm. And so that means like more of his check would have to go to these pre-tax retirement accounts. So at first, like he was just like, so you're telling me like, instead of contributing 4%, right, to these accounts, I need to, like, put in 50% to, like, max this all out. Like, that was a shock for him. So instead of, like, you know, one, forcing his hand about it, it's just showed him the spreadsheets, like, look, but if you did this in 10 years, we can have this much saved. But I also said to him, we don't have to do it, like, right away, like, the whole thing. You do, we do what we think is comfortable for the family. Like, and so I think we started out small. Like, I think at first, we only uh, raised it a couple percentage points. Mm-hmm. And then he came home to me one day after like a while, like a, I think a couple of weeks and said, let's just, uh, let's just see what happens. Cause I always said to him, we could always reverse it. Like this is not permanent. Like mm-hmm. right, you know, right. like it's it. So if we start contributing more, so this is when we, when I say pre-tax retirement accounts, just in case um, someone's listening, this is money before we see it. And before we see our take home pay. Correct. Mm-hmm. So the thought process was let's save aggressively in our pre-tax retirement um, accounts first and live off what's left. So let's say we would have put the 50%, you know, and max out my husband's accounts and what we came home with together at the end of the day was just not enough for us to pay mortgage, food, like groceries, all these things. And we were uncomfortable. 
then that would have been, been a big problem. But the idea was that if it were that uncomfortable, we could switch back. Like we didn't have to stay there. Okay. Um, so I think that helped him when, so when he came time to be like, you know what, let's just go all in. We did it. And, um, it was, you know, it was different, but it wasn't uncomfortable. I mean, it was uncomfortable in a good way, but mm-hmm. not uncomfortable where we thought, oh my gosh, like, you know, how are we going to like pay our rent or right. our mortgage and how are we going to live kind of thing. Good. And then even if, you, if it is uncomfortable or let's say you're suffering, it seems like it's a worthy cause. And, and there was buy-in from both of you. So you guys would, would have been okay. Right. I think the, the light at the end of the tunnel is once you start to um, have that financial peace or take control of your money, there's so many lights that begin to open up for you and whether that's your freedom and your flexibility. Kind of share with our audience about what that journey is for you all, having that light at the end of the tunnel of being able to have control over your finances. Yeah. So the, I mean, the ultimate goal for us is that we reach a place where like we reach financial independence, meaning like we have enough saved and invested in across all our accounts where, you know, we have passive income. Um, we, ha- we, we don't have to necessarily, well, we're working, but it's not like, you know, if we, if we couldn't work, or if I wasn't going to bring any money, like we could live off my husband's income or at least our investment portfolio. So that's the ultimate, ultimate goal. When I first started this journey and journey to launch, I said to myself, well, we're going to reach that goal by the time we reach 40 years old. Um, And in in this scenario, actually, my husband still works. So, you know, at this point, it's more of we're saving and investing aggressively and then, you know, paying off the mortgage early. And then my husband still wants to work because he wants to. That's fine. We just live off his income and live off our investments. And so that's kind of like the thought process. When I started the journey and we started to save and invest all, you know, the money we did, and then I started... That's another thing. I think the, the, same, the same skills that it takes you to be able to do that, um, you become more creative, you become more disciplined. And it, it helped me like, to, to start and propel like, Journey to Launch, which was my side hustle, into this thing where like, hmm, this actually looks like it could be something I can actually do full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I didn't start the journey, meaning if, I didn't, if we didn't save and invest that much, especially, you know, we had our we had um, three kids. We have three kids all together. But by the end of, um, I'd say when I was pregnant, my third child, and by the end of that, I realized like I knew that I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to have to go back into this job. I wanted to, you know, be able to pursue my entrepreneurial pursuits. Mm-hmm. So because of saving and investing all that money, we put ourselves in such a good position where, you know, we're not, we haven't reached like the ultimate goal yet. We still have a, a long ways to go for the most part. And now that I've walked away from this like guaranteed income, you know, things are a little bit even more uncertain. But what it's allowed me to do is have a level of freedom today that I would have never known, like if I didn't start this journey. So mm-hmm. I'm able to, you know, test out the waters with um, being entrepreneur full time. And if even if it's just for a couple of years, right, to see, let's just say this all just like doesn't work and fails, right, which I don't think it will, then... Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like at least I would have, like, I had this opportunity. Um, So for me, starting this path, you know, saving and investing has allowed me to reach a level of freedom today I would have known otherwise, which is why I'd say that everyone should be on this path because it puts you in a better position to have more power over your time and your 
and to be with the people you loved and possibly do the things you do. So maybe it doesn't look like quitting your job, but it looks like you get out of credit card debt and it looks like you're now investing towards your 401k and all those things put you in a better position of power. Mm. That's awesome. That is awesome. And so you mentioned Journey to Launch. Yes. Um, so that is the name of your no longer side hustle. No. Okay. That is that is the 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 empire. It sounds like. Tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us what's happening with that uh, for people who want more, and I'm sure they're gonna need more. They want more. How can they get in touch with you? Sure. So Journey to Launch is my media platform, my personal finance media platform, where I am teaching and showing people how to reach financial independence and also sharing my journey, which I think makes it super cool and unique because not only are you reaching your goals, but you're kind of like seeing how I fare out and I'm reaching my goals, um, which I think is pretty cool because I'm on this journey with you. Mm-hmm. So when, like I, like when you say walk the talk, it's like, I'm really also walking the talk. I don't have it all figured out and I'm not afraid to like say that I'm also, you know, testing and doing different things. Like I say, like this, this step into entrepreneurship is new, like for me. Um, so Journey's launch itself is just a platform in which if you want the tools, tips, resources, or just the encouragement, to like go after your goals, to live your best life while taking care of your finances, then it's a platform for you. You become a journeyer. So anyone on this journey with me becomes a journeyer. Um, that's what I call my peoples. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you want like to, you know, so wherever you listen to this amazing podcast, you can listen to my podcast, Journey to Launch. Uh, and then also, of course, you can check out my site um, and me on Journey to Launch on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. And listen, we're going to have all those links in the show notes and all the social media links. Thank you, Jamila. I mean, I just, I just looked up and I see that the time and I say it all the time, babe, you know, the time just keeps running. I know. Um, I feel like we can talk to you for another hour and pick your brain. See, finances don't have to be scary. No, no. No, not at all. You know, takes take, take the fear out of it when you have a plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We are so honored. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for the information for our listeners. And like she says, guys, feel free to check her out. Uh, Journey to Launch. And uh, thank you for listening and for joining us, Jamila, on the Couples Council. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our conversation with Jamila Soufrant. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Yes. Mm. Now, we're not even going to talk much about what you just heard. Um, We just want to let you know what jumped out at us. So you and your boo, you and your partner, or even you by yourself to our single listeners, because we do have some single listeners. Shout out to the singles. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, so you can go and sit down and check your finances and see what are you going to do, right? The first thing, and this really made my ears ring, is that you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything, right? We've alluded to this in previous episodes. Sometimes we just try to do too much too soon, too much too fast. We've had that experience. Oh, yeah. And again, we have these people on because, again, we've walked through these things and not only are we um, uh, providing them for our listeners, for you guys, but we're learning to trust me. We got our pen and pad here 
no taking notes for ourselves. That's true. The the thing that jumped out to me, honey, is getting out of debt is investing in yourself. Yeah. And so from a mental standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I'm take and so from a mental standpoint, I'm taking away in in and being able to get out of debt, you're allowing the anxiety of money or fear of possibly your car being repoed mm-hmm. or whatever you feel fear you have around money you're now releasing that yeah yeah you can feel bad wanting to invest wanting to boost your retirement because you can't because you got so much debt but again when you get out from all that interest when you and that's if you want to yeah right again this is not mandatory it's if you want to once you get out from all of that you know congratulate yourself celebrate the fact that you're no longer drowning under that mountain of debt and then it frees you up to not be on these jobs that you're really not happy about but you stay on because you have to pay this item the yeah. home you yeah. have to pay the car you have to pay this it sets you up to really dream and be in a place that is really conducive to what you want to do with your life yep 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 and the last thing i'll say is that the budget right it doesn't have to be perfect I remember when we were starting out and we were working on our household budget. Um, it seemed like it was hard then, but mm-hmm. we really ain't had that much money to budget. <laughs> which it don't make no damn sense why it was so hard. But and you know, but we figured it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we figured out what needed to be on it, what were wants, what were needs. You know, but even now it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know. The family might have grown, yeah, and the budget has adjusted, but it's it works for us, yeah. Okay, so she and her family have adjusted things for them. Don't go telling your husband. Don't go telling your wife. Listen, we're flipping things around, and this is what we're doing. Remember, she said you got to have a conversation yes. with your partner because you need their buy-in. All right, don't be a dictator about this because you do have to live with the person. Yep. And there ain't nobody worse than someone who's upset about the budget. They will sabotage your whole game plan. What you say? Yeah, no don't, pedicure? Yeah, don't. Me and a friend, let's right. go get a pedis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they will blow your spot up. All right. So, guys, that's our show for today. Listen, let us know what you what, what you thought. Let us know what clicked for you. Let us know what you know clicked for a friend. Comment, share, email. Um, Please, on iTunes, rate us. Don't forget to go to iTunes and tell us what you think. Um, rate us. Let us know how things are going and what you learned from this episode. Yeah. We're on social media. Yeah. We're on social media. We're on all of it. Dr. James and Mercier. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. The Wife Mentor. Um, and again, Mercy, not again. <laughs> Uh, mercierwellness.com is where you'll find all that stuff that is mercierwellness.com guys thank you for listening thank you for coming back thank you for sharing thank you for spreading and we hope to see you here next time on the next episode of the couples council bye now hey everybody thank you for listening to our mom and dad if you like them as much as we do then click subscribe and leave a comment But now they have to go because it's family time. So go practice what you heard and we'll catch you on the next episode.